Welcome to episode 18 of Renewing the Conversation, a series of interviews where we talk to leading industry professionals and experts about renewable energy and heating, with a focus on the home and what challenges face the industry and homeowners. Today we welcome Phil Hurley, Chairman of the Heat Pump Association. Phil talks to us about the vital role heat pump installers will play in the UK meeting its climate targets and the potential for heat as a service to innovate and develop the heat pump market. But before we get started, we want to say a huge thank you to today's sponsor, Nibi Energy Systems, Europe's leading heat pump manufacturer. Nibi's wide range of products can cool, heat, ventilate and supply homes with hot water, all with a minimal impact on the environment. Nibi is also committed to supporting installers through their new Nibi Pro training scheme. To find out more, head over to www.nibi.eu. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button below and please show us your support by giving us a thumbs up. Enjoy the interview. Hi, good morning and thanks very much to Phil Hurley for joining us from the Heat Pump Association. Phil, you've had an awful lot of attention on heat pumps this year in the media. Um, has that translated for your members into an increase in um, inquiries and demand uh, for installations of heat pumps? Yes, yes, absolutely. I think I think the journey probably started in around about 2017 when the, the government committed to the net zero target. Uh, and we've had a, a steady increase in, in in sales, and then in twenty, and then we had COVID hit. However, I think COVID gave people thinking about the houses and upgrading. And I think people, a lot of people now, when they're looking at upgrading the house, maybe look a little bit more sustainability. So the inquiries has especially been there. And I think COVID didn't really affect our sales as, as heat pumps. So in 2020, there's around about 36,000. And we estimate that's probably set to double this year up to, wow. up to over 60,000. And we think next year with, with, with what's been announced this year, that'll be over 100,000 in 2022. So, so the direct, the direct to travel is, is, is positive. We must remember compared to traditional fossil fuel boilers, we're a long way off those numbers. I mean, currently in the UK, I think I think in 2020 it was the the largest year ever for gas boilers, which was about 1.7 million. Wow! And so, what is a lot of the things that incentivize? You mentioned um, homeowners, because you mentioned there that you know you think that homeowners are spending a lot more time at home since COVID. Um, they're really thinking about. We know that obviously DIY mm. and the home um, home center kind of shops have really seen a massive increase in people doing a lot of um, renovations and maintenance to their homes. And then you mentioned sustainability. Um, has there been any financial incentives for people to start to really think? I know that the government have switched up their grants and next year in April, the grants are changing. Do, do you think that that is part of their decision making? The fact that is it incentivizing them at all? I, I think so. I think mean, we've had what's been called the renewable heat incentives since uh, 2014. It's been pretty successful. I don't think it's gone all the way it could have done. I think one of the barriers to the renewable heat incentives is it's very attractive that you get the money back over seven years. So basically the government's paying you for the for the renewable heat you're generating. But if you haven't got that money up front, then it could be a barrier. So what we're seeing in in next year is that the renewable heat uh, incentive comes to an end in March 2022 and then from April gets replaced with the what's called the boiler upgrade grant, which is an upfront grant. Now it's a little bit less than the renewable heat incentive, but I think if people's actually got 
the money up front, it's a bigger incentive because they can make that choice there and then. Hopefully it's been simplified for the homeowner that they get a grant without a lot of bother and that the, the, the money, the grant, the payment goes directly to the installer. So the process hopefully will be speeded up. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that as a homeowner, um, you're right, the RHI, um, it was quite a lot of work for the homeowner that the onus was on the homeowner to fill out lots of forms and to sign up to that and to then you know, submit their numbers and try and get the, the, the cost back. So I do agree with you that the grant next year will definitely, I think, be more um, attractive to homeowners to be able to have that immediate cash. Is it enough? Do you think that the government have gone far enough? Could it have been a little bit more to it, really motivate people? Is it enough? No. We could always ask for more. Yeah. But, but we have to be positive. We have got more money than we expected. Um, when, when the Boiler Upgrade Grant was actually called um, the, the Clean Heat Grant, and it, it changed its name when they actually announced the, the funding. So when it was the Clean Heat Grant, we were only told that we were getting £100 million and that the scheme would only run for two years. So when they actually did the announcement in, uh, in in October that the fund now is 450 million and will extend for three years. So we've got more, but is it enough? No, because that probably equates to around about 90,000 heat pumps in total. So that's only 30,000 heat pumps a year. What it does is that it gives industry, we've got guaranteed subsidy for three years. So. That's a positive because any new entrants, especially installers, they've got, they know that there's something there. It means that homeowners, they've got something there. And, and what we've had with subsidy in the past is a stop and start and, mm. and no guarantee that that subsidy will continue. And that, that, that makes decision for homeowners tough, but also installers. And that's one of the big things. We need to get more installers. Definitely. So, so that actually segues us quite neatly because since we've had our heat pump, it's been three years now, uh, and it's been in particular 2021 that we've seen a big increase in the amount of people that have actually got heat pumps that are actually publicly speaking about them. Yeah. Uh, and because they're doing that, unfortunately, you do get the, the occasional case where people have either had a poorly designed or installed heat pump, which then basically you know, gives heat pumps a bit of a bad name because now all of a sudden the technology doesn't work. We know that it does. Uh, so now as we're scaling up, you mentioned that may, there may be 100,000 pumps installed next year. What is the Heat Pump Association doing to try and train a, a, a better workforce to start designing and installing these heat pumps a little bit more competently? This is the big challenge because at the moment, with the, the, if we talk gas installers, which predominantly is the major technology for heating homes in the UK, there's around, there's around about 130 gas safe installers. Not all of them installing gas boilers, but I would say the vast majority are. And at the moment, there's probably only around about 1,000 companies installing heat pumps, and they're registered with the Micro Generation Certification Scheme, MCS. Uh, and you have to be an MCS installer to be eligible for the grant. So we've got a big challenge to, to actually train installers. The government, I mean, the government has, has recognised that heat pumps have a major contribution to reducing carbon, um, and, and that's great to see. And they've also come out with, a, with an ambitious target of 600,000 heat pumps by 2028. Mm -hmm. um, so the only way we're going to do that is increasing the number of installers. So we estimate by 2025, we need about 40,000 installers. So there's around about 1,000 MCS installers. They're, they're companies, so they have more installers than one person. So it's probably about three to 4,000 trained installers. So we've got to get it to about 40,000. So the Heat Pump Associations recognise that. And what, what we launched in September is a, a new 
heat pump course. And that heat pump course is designed to upskill existing installers because we must recognize that the heating system house is exactly the same, okay? They have got the necessary skills. It's just a different heat source. That The course is about giving them the necessary skills to upskill to install heat pumps. With the new building regs coming in next year, any new house built after June next year will have a maximum flow temperature of 55 degrees. So we're moving to a, a low temperature heating. So in combination with that, there's also a, a course which is called the low temperature and hot heating and hot water course, which will be a prerequisite to the heat pump course. So by going on that course first, they learn the fundamentals of designing at low temperature, full room by room heat loss calculations, hot water design. Once they've done that, then they can move on to the heat pump course. And heat pumps work at low temperature, and that's the big difference between gas boilers, oil boilers, and heat pumps. Gas boilers work at around about 70 to 80 degrees flow temperature, where heat pumps work around about 40 to 50 degrees flow temperature. So that's the big difference which, which between heat pumps. So that has to be designed correctly. Who pays for these courses? Do the, do the, is the, does the individual installer have to pay himself for the, to attend the course? At the moment, yes. That, that's, as, as an organization, we are lobbying hard with the government to try and have some subsidy for early adopter installers because when the government made the announcement in uh, in October of the heat and building strategy, um, where they committed for heat pumps and phasing out um, gas over the years, they didn't go so far as to say that they wanted to stop gas boilers being installed. It, it was a vision by 2020-35 to install no gas boilers. But they didn't like electric vehicles. They haven't put an actual date that you can't install gas boilers after that. You can still install gas boilers and we recognize gas boilers are going to be here for the next 10 years. There is no real incentive at the moment for an installer to actually train to be heat pumps. The one, the, what will make, make that installer change is homeowners because I think the message is homeowners that they want to decarbonize a home, they want to be sustainable. So if they're going to visit the house and a homeowner is asking, I want a heat pump, what about a heat pump, then that will make them retrain and get the necessary skills to actually install a heat pump in their home. Do you think that, I think that a lot of times the question is, um, how is the government incentivizing homeowners? And we touched on the grants there. Actually, it's funny because now you're talking about um, installers and how they're having to maybe pay for some of these courses. Do you think that maybe the questions should be more targeted to how is the government um, incentivizing installers. <laughs> so should the government be actually putting some grants towards installers being able to cover their costs for some of these courses? Absolutely. We um, we did lobby hard for that and we did lobby hard for part of the grant to go towards training of installers, especially early adopters, because we need to get, we can't wait. Okay, If we're going to achieve this ambitious target, we need, we need to be installers training installers now we did lobby hard that didn't come come forward but we are still working on that to try and do it but i think in the meantime i think the message what has come out from from government will incentivize some installers the ones who want to retrain the one who want to offer good systems to the 
to, the, to their customers. And there's a lot of installers doing that now, even with fossil fuel boilers, are trying to design systems which are the most efficient. And I think that it's giving homeowners a choice. A lot of the homeowners that um, have switched to heat pumps are retrofit. So they're um, houses that currently exist. They're not new builds. Um, for um, a homeowner that's um, in a, a previous property or a, pr a previously built property and not a new off the plan um, uh, build, is there any planning permissions that they should be thinking about or that they need to consider before they go ahead and start commissioning a heat pump? Well, it depends on the heat pump. If it's a ground source heat pump, there's no building regulations required. If it's an air source heat pump, that has to be sited outside. So that, that goes by the planning, which is called permitted development rights. So there is, there is some stipulation of where you can site it okay, and the size of unit. And that, there's a couple of things there. One is the is where you cite it in relation to noise and and, and your next door neighbour. Um, so you don't want to be, uh, I think it's a metre from next door and, and not sited close to habitable rooms with next door. And that's around noise. The size of the unit, but most heat pumps fit in within that size for the UK market. So that's already covered. Where homeowners should be careful is if they're in a conservation area or a listed building, then there's there's more stringent of where you can site it. You can't site at the front of the building and things like that. So, but if an installer, we said if they're an MCS installer, they have to work to permitted developments and they should be able to advise on that uh, when they come and, and inspect the property. The, the one thing that, that we've started to see quite a lot of uh, on renewable heating have on our actual forums and discussions is that I mentioned that there's a lot more people that have actually adopted heat pumps now. Uh, and the one thing that we're seeing is that there's a pretty big learning curve with regards to getting those heat pumps to work. It's not simple plug and play like with an oil boiler, you know, you put it in and it works. A lot of people have to fiddle around with things. There's weather compensation, there's any number of things that are in place. And that I think puts some people off that just aren't, that they don't have the time or, you know, don't want to have the, or don't have the patience to actually want to learn about this. Is anything being done to try and simplify heat pump systems so that they can just be retrofitted or put into a property, switched on, and then you know the, the, the property just heats itself? There has to be a switch on heating systems because we're, we're switching from fossil fuel boilers to heat pumps. And I've already mentioned that heat pumps work at a lower flow temperature and gas boilers work higher. That's a fundamental change and uh, people feel that straight away so that, that people go into homes now when they've got a gas they, they always feel the radiator if they're hot and if it's mm. not hot they feel cold mm. so you have a you have a, a, a heat pump system it's lukewarm okay so that 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 is a mind shift and that has to be explained the other thing about heat pumps and one of the things analogy i always say about heat pumps heat pumps are a jogger Okay, uh, uh, and gas boilers are a sprinter. So traditionally, we've always controlled our heating systems to come on in the morning before we get up for half an hour. It, it boosts the heating system, then it goes off when we go to work or go to school, and then it comes back on before we come home at night and then boosts it. A heat pump doesn't work like that. Heat pumps are on, as you say, all the time but work with weather compensation, as you mentioned. So you've got an indoor sensor and an outdoor sensor. So the outdoor sensor, and this is what makes it really efficient, is that it recognizes the outdoor temperature and makes the flow temperature to your radiators based on that outdoor temperature. So the colder it gets, the warmer 
it, it, it gets your house aside. And on a mild day, like today's very mild, it's my house is around about 10 degrees at the minute, it reduces the temperature outside. And if it goes over above a certain temperature, like in autumn or spring, above 16 degrees, 17 degrees, it actually switches it off. So that's a mindset shift. If that's set up correctly, then the homeowner should just forget about it. But we need to, it's a mind shift of, of getting homeowners to think about that. If you try and run it like a gas boiler, then it doesn't work, work like that because it can't come on in the afternoon because it's low and heat it up in an hour. It's a bit like underfloor heating. I was just about to say, yeah, I was just about to say, because we have radiators upstairs and underfloor heating downstairs. And I mentally, right from the beginning, um, almost treated our our air source heat pump as underfloor heating. I just considered it to be, you know, it's almost like a a slow and low burn. It's just going to, it's going to be on all the time. And, you know, you're never going to walk on on your floors and feel like they're the same temperature as your radiator. Um, your, Your feet might get a little bit toasty. So, um, so yeah, your your underfloor is also just kind of constantly on, ticking over at a nice kind of uh, lower level, but always on. And that's kind of the mm. same way that I think about our, our heat pump. Yeah, and and I think it's for installers as well. With 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 homeowners, heating has never been seen as a primary; it's always secondary. When we talk about new homes, it's kitchens, it's it's bathrooms, it's carpets, it's furniture. No, nobody gets excited about the heating system. Well, I think that is changing now, and it's a mind shift we've got to change. So we've got we've got obviously climate change. So if people are thinking about that, it has a massive effect on the on on reducing reducing carbon. But but also we're seeing energy costs rise now, so it, it's hitting people in the pocket now. So having a correctly designed heating system can actually save you money. So I think it's a mind shift can happen automatically with those two two things. Installers are the most important part. The decision is made in the home, mainly from recommendations from the installer. And I think sometimes that's, that gets forgotten. It's making sure that we have correctly trained installers to give advice to a, to a homeowner. Uh, and, and that's fundamental of the decision made. You mentioned there that um, the increase in prices, and we've seen that right across the board, mm. across energy and you know, transportation, petrol, we've got oil going up, we've got electricity prices going up. I know that uh, we were talking to somebody recently and they mentioned that, for example, in other countries such as Italy, they actually have a separate tariff, a more reduced, more attractive electricity tariff for heat pump owners um, to help them sustain that technology. Um, Do you think that that's something that we need to start to consider in the UK? Because I know that when we installed the heat pump uh, a few years ago, um, electricity, our electricity uh-huh. tariff was very different. It was it was a lot, a lot uh-huh. cheaper. And this winter, we're going into a winter that's got very high uh, tariffs. And you, I think that maybe um, as a homeowner, you might be forgiven to f- feeling a little bit penalised that you're using a greener technology and paying a much higher price than, for example, gas. Yeah. So do you think that that's something that the government need to look at is is how to start to support those homeowners going forward long term? Yeah, absolutely. The, I mean, if we look at the green tariffs on, on, on fossil fuels, the vast majority are on electricity, approximately 24%, and then it's just under 2% on gas. So electricity is penalised to start with. Uh, and and electricity is the one over the the, the the last ten years has reduced carbon 
as much as anybody. We're world leaders in reducing carbon of generating electricity, but we've been penalised that if move, people move into electrification now. The other thing, comparing it to EV cars, moving to an electric vehicle, you save money on your, mm. your running costs, okay? Against oil and, and LPG, there's a saving to be had. You will save money directly, and there is a payback. Against gas, maybe you will save, but you're not going to see massive savings over. So that has to change. So one of the commitments the government have is to, is to over, over in the next decade, is to see parity in installation. So the installation costs are no different from uh, a gas boiler cost, but at the same time, the running costs in parity. And the only way they can do that is, is, is shifting the tariffs from electricity to gas. Or taking them away completely and putting them into into into, into taxation, so they recognise that is how quickly they can do to do that. I think the exciting thing about electricity, though, is that there is different tariffs can be had, and with smart technology, we're moving into things like time and use tariff, where where before we used to have overnight um, electricity storage eaters. That that was that's a remnant of the 70s when we have used to have nuclear power and they couldn't switch nuclear power off at night so it was cheap electricity now we don't know when the wind's going to blow we don't know when it's sunny so so that, that shifting pattern could be any time of the day so so electricity companies now can have cheaper tariffs at a certain point of the day and high another day and with smart controls especially with a heat pump it could recognize that boost your hot water, boost your heating and take advantage of the cheap periods and then reduce the temperature at the expensive periods without the homeowner do, knowing anything about that. I think that's the exciting part of electrification. And I think going into the future with, with electric vehicles, with store battery storage, this is this is a thing which heat pumps have a, have a real benefit in doing with future technology. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting that you should mention that because um, when we when we installed our heat pump and we knew that it was obviously it was going to be very heavy on electricity, so we installed a solar array and we really considered the whole the whole system as a kind of more of a holistic approach rather than just buying a heat pump, putting a heat pump in. We kind of thought, well, how can we sustain this heat pump, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, do you think that um, it? I mean, as a homeowner, it would be it would be so beneficial um, if installers kind of, uh, when they were going through their training and when they come out um, to market and they come and meet the homeowners, they have, if they were able to have just a little bit of fundamental knowledge of like being able to say, mm. look, I can install this heat pump for you. And by the way, you know, you, just looking at your property, you would be really, it would be really great to think about putting in a solar array or battery storage or something like that to try and kind of help the, nav the homeowner navigate um, you know, really supporting the system, making sure it's sustainable long term. That needs to be done. I, I think there's an opportunity here, combination of, of moving towards low carbon systems, but also with the energy costs. Okay, people are seeing it in the in their energy bills, and I think there's an opportunity to to improve the standard of installation of all heating systems and irrespective of what you're putting in a heat pump a gas boiler an oil boiler every one of those should be put in the most efficient as possible mm -hmm. um so and, and and if we move to a low temperature heating system then that becomes heat pump ready but it also means a gas boiler is working it's most efficient a gas boiler installed now is a condensing boiler 
But if it's running at 70 degrees, it's not condensing. Okay, mm. So you're not taking benefit of the efficiency of that. So I think there's a great opportunity to improve standards of all installations. What's also missing when an installer comes to the house now to, to, for, for a heating system, it doesn't look at your house and say, have you thought about upgrading your insulation in your loft? Okay, have, have you got cavity wall insulation? Okay, so there's probably needs to be a bit of education in, in, in that, in basic energy efficiency advice to a homeowner. Okay, because the only advice comes in now, right, I can swap your boiler out, put a few cons and go away. But maybe if they advise you put extra 150 mil in your loft, or, oh, I've noticed you haven't got cavity wall insulation, you get that done, that's going to save you 25% on your energy bills. Okay. That's yeah. the sort of conversation. So like you say, it's a holistic approach to energy efficiency in the home. We've mentioned the installers trying to come on board and, and you know, trying to coax uh, homeowners to maybe switch to a, a, a heat pump or something along those lines. How do you convince people that are so entrenched in having gas or oil uh, as their central heating and they've, you know, they've seen the negative press, that they've seen certain things? How do we convince those people to pull the trigger and to make that transition to something like a heat pump? I think what we will, will see, you, you will always get the people dragging, dra dragging and screaming to, to change. And the only way you will do that is mandating you can't use fossil fuel after this date. That hasn't been done yet, but it may be done in the future. But I think there's a quite a, a large proportion of people who want to do the right thing. So the way we need to make to, to, to give them is, as I said before, get more installers, that conversation happens. And with any technology, as it grows, as you sell more, the costs come down. Okay. So the cost of the equipment, but also the cost of installation, because there's more installers doing it, the more efficient at doing it, better ways of doing it. And once that starts to happen, it becomes commonplace that within the next five years, if we train the right amount of stallers with the government support, then 2025 onwards, then I don't think we'd be having that conversation. An installer will come, I can do this, I can do that. It's your choice. Yeah, I think mandating it is mm. definitely an, um, one strategy. I think that um, we've spoken about it a few times on various interviews, but it's something that's worth mentioning again is is um, new builds and property developments. I think yeah. that um, that is just a, a massive um, gap that the government is missing at the moment and that's something that can be done and activated immediately mm. is, is by saying to property developers, you need to start to put in sustainable heating into homes straight off the bat. Um, because I think that um, the fact that, that d property developers are still putting up homes at the moment, and I believe it's going to be for quite a few more years that they're still able to do that. And the opportunities lie, sorry Phil, the opportunities there do lie. When, when we've spoken to the ground source guys, you know, they said this is the, the perfect time to put in a, a, a highly efficient form of heating in, in the ground source before the foundations are laid, before anything's done, drill those boreholes, put stuff in, uh, put the heat exchanges into the houses and you're on your way. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that correct. That, that is the thing. We've got a new building rate coming in next year, 15th of June 2022. It's all great. But as you say, most houses built won't be to that standard and probably for the next several years because the way the loopholes work, if you've put a foundation on there, you're still at that, those building regs. And, we, and we've got 40% of homes still built to, to pre-2009 building regs, which is criminal. So that's a loophole that needs to stop. I think they're doing something about it, but it doesn't help us now. It's actually criminal that we're building homes now that we've got to refurbish in the next 20 years to achieve our net zero target. Let's do the simple stuff 
build those home now, which are efficient. Okay, keep keep people warm, keep people um, energy bills low, and then concentrate on the retrofitting the 25 million homes now, because that's our biggest challenge. How do we do that? The new homes is an easy one. Yeah, and 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 also it's a, it's a it's a morally ethical one in the fact that you're then you know putting something you know that is sustainable for those new homeowners. A lot of new homeowners, especially in property developments, are young families, are first-time buyers, and to think that we are building properties that we know full well, we will have to then additionally put a financial burden on them five, ten years down the line to retrofit back in heat pumps or ground source. I think is is just so irresponsible and. And, and I feel like it's it's just not the right thing to be doing for those young families or for those first-time buyers. Mm. Um, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So no. yeah, I, I really feel strongly that I think that, that we need to start with new builds and, and property developers um, building things that, that are gonna last um, into the future and be the right built the right way for us. Yeah. Do you think that um, as we move forward, um, the, the, the new builds and the property developers will start to also look at district heating and start to think about how to um, actually get almost communities Community heating, yeah. Um, yeah, onto, onto heat pumps or ground source. I mean, that's, that's one, of the, one of the things we've always said. Heat pumps will be just one of the technologies. We can't we can't achieve net zero with just one technology. Benefit of heat pumps is that it's the only technology what can do it now. Okay, we can't wait for technology that is unproven or still in development. So we need to decarbonize our homes now. So there will be a mixture of technologies going forward. District heating is one of them, and and district heating could be heated by heat pumps. Uh-huh. It could be a ground source uh, array. Uh, that could be individual homes, or or, or it could be plant and 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 serving several homes, and and uh, that's ideal, especially in in, in urban areas, uh, areas which are, which have got access to, to water. Also, air source can 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 act as district heating, can go on a roof if it's it's a box of flats. So great opportunities for for district heating as well. What are the biggest opportunities and challenges that are going to face the renewable heating industry next year? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we've 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 covered one of them. One is installers. Okay, mm-hmm. I think we've we've had a little bit of a delay in training installers because of COVID, because this training has to be face to face. We've tried mm-hmm. to do it uh, over the internet and things like that and webinars. But I think if we're going to get to the numbers, it has to be face to face. So so that's probably delayed a little bit. So we really need to ramp up the numbers. Our members, which represent the vast majority of the heating industry now. We've got we've got uh, facilities to train if they were full to train forty thousand installers a year. So we can do it. We just need to get them through the door. The second one is supply. Okay, there is uh, a worldwide supply issue with certain components. I think we're getting over that because we know that it's going to grow. But 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 obviously there is because of the um, renewable heat incentive. <laughs> finishing there's a rush for that so what we don't want to see is it drop off a cliff all the heat pumps installed in the first quarter and then we drop off a cliff while the the new grant process gets put in so that that that, that's probably a challenge is making sure that we see constant growth through the year from a technological perspective um, are there any things that we should be getting excited about with regards to advancements in heat pumps that's the thing about heat pumps is is a control you mentioned weather compensation where heat pumps have had for a while but i think ai technology is the one now we talk about sensors in the home we talk about apps on your phone controls now can learn what the homeowner's 
activities in the house and then respond to that. So over time, it, it learns what time you're getting up, what time you're going to work, are you at home all day and reacting to that and doing that even before you think of it. Okay, so that I think that's a really exciting thing. One is, is, is controls now can connect to weather stations. They can see what the weather, we have unpredictable weather in the UK. It can like today, it's lovely and sunny out of my window. It's probably 10 degrees outside. It could be zero tomorrow, it could be minus three, okay? But with weather, you could connect to the weather station. It's, oh, right, it's um, 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 low grade now, but overnight, I need to boost it in ready for that. So you, you can take advantage. And maybe if that's connected to the electricity generation, then you can say, well, maybe I have to hold off because the electricity is expensive at the moment, but then I, I can boost. So I think that's a real exciting. And it's all this connected together as well, because if we're going to electrification with EV as well, it's how that's connected with the EV charger, with your white goods in your home. I think this is the future. And I think, I think everybody gets, especially young people get excited about that. And I think when we talk about heating systems and doing a shift change, I think by having technology like that, then you can get um, you can get the younger the people are buying the first homes or renovating the first homes. This is a type of technology which probably gets them excited. And I think there's also opportunities for new ways of selling heating system in the future. Heated a service is one which is gaining popularity in Europe. So you actually rent the heating system and you pay for the energy you use. And I think again we talk about younger people. They're cool with that idea. I'm probably more mature people, aren't they? Want to buy it and pay for it. But we, we have to. We have, that's what happens with Netflix. You, you're paying a you're paying a, a charge every month with your with subscription. When you're paying it with your phone, they're used to that sort of technology. You go online. You can order it all online. <laughs> Somebody comes in, install it, and then you get a, a monthly charge for. And if it breaks down, it comes and gets fixed. Okay. And at the end of its life, it gets replaced again. So uh, th these are the things I think opportunities and that gets extra investors into that arena as well. We may get investors in if they see there's a market for that, we get external investors in who will invest in that for the future as well. That's really interesting. I've never heard of that um, before. That's mm. a really interesting model. And, and you're right. If, if the younger if younger generations are used to those kind of financial models and it suits their financial uh, cash flows better because they're used to subscriptions, that's something that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. I think um, as, a, as a homeowner and, a, and an owner of a heat pump, for me, I just feel like it's, um, it is early days. But I think that it's it's really exciting because, you know, just to everybody we speak to and you know just again you today mentioning the potential subscription models it's so interesting that there are just there are endless options there are so many different ways that this industry could grow and as you said it's it's a real time for people installers companies manufacturers governments to really come in and embrace innovation and be really innovative and think out of the box and try different things try different things and see what works and what sticks because now is the time to be able to be really do that and be creative with that it's also we've got a skill shortage as well and if we look at the demographics of installers it's quite a large demographic who are over 45 so they, they may be thinking well i've only got 10 15 years do i need to retrain so we should be concentrating on the new entrance to the market as well and I think with that sort of technology, you've got an opportunity to get them excited about 
going into plumbing and heating, raising the skills of, of that. And maybe it's a career choice instead of going to university. But we need correct um, apprenticeship routes, correct qualifications for that. But I think that's a great opportunity for the future because we have got a skill shortage. Well, thank you very much, Phil. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. And it was really insightful. I think you shared some really oh. interesting um, information and certainly um, some ideas. I, I love that one about the subscription yeah. idea. I think that's, that's really interesting. Um, and yeah, I think that there's an awful lot of exciting times ahead for um, the Heat Pump Association. So I really hope that you come back next year and uh, give us an update. Let us know what's happening, especially after the new grants have been launched let us know did it drop off a cliff uh, the sales um, after the RHI or, or yeah what's happening uh, so it'd be really good to speak to you next year and get an update and see where we are then yeah, I'd love to thank you very much for having me really enjoyed it thanks Phil take care bye bye, bye.